Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. I am Wes, modern mythology enthusiast and defender of the realm of toy collecting. This is Andy, my fearless friend. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I powered up my dynamic mic and said, Welcome to Fandom Power! Andy became the mighty producer Andrew Daw, and I became host Wes, the newest pop culture podcaster on the interwebs. Only two others shared this secret, friend of the show and regular co-host Hank McLaughlin, and my lovely wife Kimberly. Together, we defend the realms of pop culture from the evil forces of toxic fandom. Why, hello there, everybody. What's up, guys? It's Wes, Andy, and Hank after a short interlude. We missed you last week, buddy. Hey, man. Uh, it was it was a strange week. But yeah. we're back. That's good. I'm glad to see you back. Was, glad to know that all week. is well. We thought you oh, had... Yeah. Uh, it was... Uh, right, yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, nobody out there in the uh, sort of podcast world knows my real life, but... I have had a track record of disappearing, so I understand. <laughs> can con- here, can confirm. Good. Everything's okay. Can confirm. Yes, sir. But no, I'm not going anywhere, baby. I'm, I'm with you to the end, ride or die. Right on. Uh, it, that was a hiccup. Don't chalk that up to mistrust in the uh, immortal words of uh, uh, Hank Scorpio. That was just a phone call. <laughs> so listen, it's it's uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the three of us have uh, had a chance to sit down and, and uh, talk. And so there's been some, uh, some major entertainment, uh, news and releases over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Anybody got mm-hmm. anything, uh, anybody got anything you want to talk about before we get into the meat of today's episode? Uh, I, th- there's a couple of black series, star Wars figures that are just like, you know, making me drool. I was trying to slow down. <laughs> I was trying to slow yeah, down. Yeah, I'm, uh, and some of those Mandalorian figures like that Ahsoka and, uh, I'm full speed yeah, ahead on those. The, uh, <laughs> I know the Bill Burr, the uh, like uh, man, Cobb Vanth. Guys, Cobb suck. Vanth is they coming. Really Yesterday, I, I just know. saw one. I know. The game, uh, the gamer greats, Republic Commando. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. really, really chomping at the at the bit for that one. So certainly that's it's my. Yeah. Of course, and I'm a Transformer and, fan, yeah. so I just saw Transformers uh, uh, Kingdom. Kingdom, uh, I think it's going to be a leader class. Uh, Blaster is coming. Nice. I think, uh, or late this Crazy. year. Crazy. Late this year, early next year. Late this year, I think. Crazy. Did anybody get a chance to uh, see uh, Dune? Nope. 
<clears throat> I have not. Just no, me I've then. I've heard great things, though. I've heard great things. Okay, so though. it was just me that's seen it so far. Apparently, the sequel's already yeah, greenlit, I, so. Yeah, within a week. Yeah. Uh, within a week of release, uh, it was greenlit, so. And uh, two two Dune fans yeah, who are yeah, not yeah. necessarily, like, what, they were fans of the sort of miniseries, but not, probably too young to really appreciate that the the uh, 80s movie was all we had oh the david lynch film books yeah 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 right uh and uh, uh both both are like this is a solid interpretation of, of the books i mean which, I, is, which is nice i read the crap out of the, all the books in high school and I, I was just like yeah no this is i only read dune and i didn't read it until my late 20s and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was a huge fan of the David Lynch movie, as criti- uh, as uh, yeah. as cr- crit- uh, critiqued as it is. And I know that it's it's a cult classic now, uh, but it certainly wasn't on its initial release. What's and, also fantastic? There's a there's a documentary out there about the the first attempt to make a oh, Dune movie uh, in the um, 60s. Yeah, uh, 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 Jodorowsky's Jodorowsky's Dune, yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. Oh. That's a great yeah, yeah. People went insane. People uh, went mad. There was so much concept art that was curated for that documentary that it was just like, can you imagine what that would have looked like? Yeah, oh, it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a sci-fi channel miniseries uh, back in 2000 that got done as well. Right. And, and uh, right. that certainly was that was a bit. Sort of beat by beat. Yeah. But I would have to say, as a fan of the novel, now this is where Dune... And this has been sort of the general, the general reaction I think to to the the Denis Villeneuve the new one is, if you are a fan of the book, there's a good chance you're going to be a fan of this movie. And if you didn't right. like the book, you're not going to like it. And uh, no right. surprise. That's sort of yeah. I mean that the second yeah. one stands to reason. But why would you go see a movie that you didn't like the book of? But you know, no, I know, so- I know. I, that, that one kind of baffles probably me five or even yeah five or even six novels, uh, means they could have their little sort of, uh, star Wars or Marvel style universe of films uh, right. easily. And I, you know, that seems to be the trend. We're all going that direction. So there's a, I mean, uh, Herbert obviously, uh, passed away several years ago. And so a lot of the, a lot of the books were, uh, oversaw by the estate, by his son and they were, they were co-authored. And I want to say that it's right. Kev- Kevin Anderson uh, was a co-author or at least author on some of the later stuff. Oh, he gets a, a consulting yeah. credit on this one, on the film. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's super super good. I'll say this: um, I've been pretty critical of uh, Jason Momoa as an actor, as much as I I like him. <laughs> you know, like I said uh, about Aquaman, that Aquaman was just a chance for Jason Momoa to play Jason Momoa. And that he wasn't right. Aquaman, he was uh, Aqua Bro. <laughs> but um, sure, sure. Dune, uh, I this is the most, and I'm sure he's done other things that I just haven't seen that maybe are, are mm. a little more, you know, uh, flexing his range. But this is the the widest range I've seen him give uh, in any role yeah, that I've yeah. seen so far, and I I quite like it. So I'm I'm quite happy to uh, to say that because I I was kind of thinking he was a bit of a one trick pony, but not so in this one. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. I used to think yeah. the same thing about David Batista until I saw the, uh, I think it's called Brownsville. It's a it's oh, a movie okay. about how the United States uh, has a second civil war and the South invades right. Brooklyn. Right. And uh, 
he's an ex-military guy like you know the standard sort of action story yeah but his yeah. his uh he protects a little girl through the whole movie and it's it's phenomenal uh he, I, i'm not sure that it's actually called brownsville but i'll, I'll send you a link after he is also he's in dune in it. uh dave batista oh, is yeah? also in dune yeah so he's actually playing uh um raban uh of uh, of house harkonnen so Crazy. is a very different characterization of raban and again uh you know the strong silent type he's either he's either over the top or he's saying nothing and this movie right is kind of in the the dialogue for him is very minimal but again you know there's there's some real acting coming through in his performance yeah. that i can't say that i'm really i don't think i've seen this kind of acting from him before and again yeah, it's no uh, yeah no no it's really good so if you haven't seen dune yet i highly recommend it so I guess that kind of brings us up to uh, today's ep- uh, today's episode, and I thought it would be a little bit of a fun uh, thing to go back and have a look at. Um, well, this week uh, we got a couple of movie, tra- uh, yeah, sorry, we got a couple of trailers. We had a, a pretty big movie trailer this week in the form of uh, Pixar's new uh, Lightyear movie. I don't know if you guys were aware that that was coming out, Lightyear. Yep. Yeah, Andy, we were talking about this before. And there was some, some discrepancy as to whether this was going to be about the man that the toy is based on. And, and while that has some truth, you were saying that this is based on a, a movie within the Toy Story world. Yeah. So basically, uh, this would be a movie that, say, Andy would be watching on cable to yeah, get yeah, him yeah. into the action figures. So I feel I'm disadvantaged because I read something that said at the end of Toy Story 4, there's a single line of dialogue from Chris Evans as the Buzz Lightyear character from the film. Oh. So I don't mm. know if did, did anybody, I don't know if anybody can corroborate that. I didn't see it. So I may, I'm just, I've seen <clears throat> it and I don't remember. Okay. Fair enough. So there's a Chris Evans tweet, which is like pretty on the nose in which yeah. he says to put to, just to be clear, this is about Buzz Lightyear, the man, not yeah, yeah. The, the inspiration for the toy. Yeah. So that's, you know, that kind of is suggestive that it's the, uh, that trailer thing. That trailer looks meta, like the actor within the movie. Oh yeah. 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 The guy. And you know, I honestly watching the trailer and I've, I've only watched it once uh, to me. I thought this was like super, super futuristic. Like if this is based in, in, um, Andy's world. Like, is there time travel involved? Because uh, space exploration yeah, apparently right. has come a long way. <laughs> it's like, really? The... I don't think I've seen a Toy Story movie past the second one. Really? Oh, you're missing out. Yeah. Wow. Part three is heart wrenching. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, so we've, we've, <laughs> of course, having a grandchild now, we, we go back and we see, we revisit this stuff all the time. And so. Right, right, going right. going back and watching the original Toy Story, and then jumping ahead to say Toy Story three, and it's like you know going from your 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 Xbox Series X to your PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a drastic uh, you know change in the in the textures and and everything else that goes along with the CGI. Right. So. Well, right. Toy Story was their first one, was it not? The first Pixar film, yeah first feature like maybe feature like yeah 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 i know the little lamp character been. yeah the the swing was arm there, uh, yeah was a part of a short film i think yeah so the other thing that happened this week in fact the very same day as the uh, toy story trailer broke 
we get a new trailer from the people, the good people over at Netflix, and they dropped the part two trailer for Masters of the Universe Revelation, the Kevin Smith led uh, led show. And I know we didn't actually talk about Revelation, the first part. I think we were kind of elbows deep into uh, the Bad Batch. I think we were. Yep. And I, I really wanted to come back and talk about the show um, because to me, it was really good. Like really, really good. I, I have really no complaints about it. Like from the original trailer for part one, it was like, right. Oh, I can't wait. The marketing on that was just so, I mean, I, I had the same reaction watching the part two trailer. I was literally like mouth open and, and I'm not going to lie. I may have Kevin Smithed it and had a little tear. It was that good. It was that good for me. But uh, part one, as good as it was, really was divisive in the fan community. And uh, we've we've talked about this before. I think this is a good opportunity to bring it up again and just kind of talk about how vitriolic and how just nasty people were about this mm. about this series. Certainly, part one. Now, Hank, you've just gotten caught up on part one, and yeah. uh, we. I were... mean, and I like. I guess I have to admit, the first time uh, I checked out after episode one, they just killed He-Man. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm done. I, you know, um, I'm not the biggest fan of this franchise anyway. Uh, um, certainly, I like. You know, I'm I'm fan enough, right? Um, so I have no expectations, or you know, I don't even remember the old show all that much. I you know. I might be able to name five of the action figures, but it's not, you know, I was always more sort of star Wars and Marvel. Right. So I, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> and so when I, I sat down and I actually watched it last night, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, it, it, it hits all the little feelings that from the old show. So it, it gives me that little itch. Right. And, right. Um, but I guess the, maybe the, the best part for me is watching my, my wife watch it. Cause she's, she's a huge fan. So it's, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's like, you know, when people watch us, watch our favorite thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. There's a, there's a thing that they see about us that they don't normally see. Right. Like, because we become children. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, we're yeah. very yeah. innocent and very pure. So watching her, because she's not the, star wars fan or the marvel fan, although she's very close with marvel and stuff but but watching her be like a just a gushing fan yeah for two and a half hours was 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 the highlight of it oh that's fantastic yeah i always wondered how that went over because that by and large is one of the biggest criticisms of the show was that as you say first episode that killed he-man and so now you've got a show that now let's I don't want to get, I don't want to get pedantic about it, but like really the show is mm. called masters of the universe masters. revelation. Yeah, it's not absolutely. he man. It's not he man right. in the masters of the universe. Like the original series was, this is masters of the universe. But I think part of the, the major criticism was how do you have a show about he man with no he man? Mm-hmm. And, and still about he man though. You got to watch it to the end. I mean, yeah. I'll I mean, there's, there's a journey and you know, every journey has a beginning then it has a middle and it has an end. Now we've, right. we've had the beginning right. and we've, we've, you know, hit the middle, the middle beats and, uh, we're about to get to the ending here. Um, the whole journey for Tila, I don't think it was a surprise for anybody that when you, when they announced that there was going to be a new master of the universe series, that was going to be serialized. 
it was going to be about Tila. What other, like, were there any other multi-part storylines that anybody can remember other than the teaser that, you know, the, the sorceress was Tila's mother. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them, there being anything else. So naturally that's one thing that you want to see wanted to. Yeah. Because the filmation show never had a chance to, to, to bring any closure to that. All right. So that being said, did you guys catch some of the comments surrounding the new trailer? The no, the old one, part one. Uh, yeah, I, I tuned them out after a while. It was just, how can you hate this? I, I've a got lot a of stuff was like um, people excited about the trailer, but then having felt like they were betrayed by watching the show. Yeah, because I guess the trailers were He-Man heavy. But they absolutely I, were. See, I've learned from my my failure at the cave, if you will. Like my my <laughs> propensity to want to shut down WandaVision taught me a lot. Yep. Yep. Because of how much I really liked the payoff. So I'm willing to sit through a little bit of uncomfortableness, you know, like right. to get to the payoff. Like if anybody's seen Squid Game, you have to sit through a little uncomfortableness before you get to the, oh, there's a payoff. Gotcha. It's gotcha. It. It's kind of cool, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my new worldview when it comes to entertainment. I'm trying to be uh, as objective as I can early because right. I know that, you know, if, if you read the first chapter of a novel and didn't like it, but it, you know, everybody's telling you it's the greatest novel in the world, but it doesn't pick up till chapter five, you're going to not get the greatest novel in the world. So, you, I mean, yeah, we got to be patient with these things. And right, absolutely, right. A typical story structure is, you know, uh, beginning, middle, and end. And also, Kevin Smith is up there with the, the greats that do this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, a lot of people are more familiar with his films, but he, he wrote for comics forever. And that's right. Like the green, the green arrow stuff that he did, the daredevil stuff. Yes. Solid, solid stuff. So yeah, like, no, I'm excited to see, you know, Oh, that was almost the, the, uh, the draw for me was to see how Kevin Smith would. Right. 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 You know, like if I'd like to see a Kevin Smith, star Wars movie, Jesus. So here's a, here's a search on uh, just the, the backlash uh, surrounding part one. And I mean, this is YouTube. I mean, take a look at some of these titles here. Revolution, uh, Revelation is a disgrace. He-Man is ruined. Kevin Smith's Frankenstein monster. Fans are furious. <laughs> Revelation gets destroyed. Uh, reviews are in. Audience score review bombed. And so like, this is right up there with you know, we talked about this before the, the, the same people that said, you know, when captain America, uh, said, you know, hail Hydra, that they, they ruined their childhood. You know, that's the same kind of response that we're looking at here. Right. Or the last Jedi response. Oh yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And one of the, one of the problems is that, um, people are certainly entitled to their opinion. And yeah. one yeah, of the yeah. problems with that now in this digital age where everybody has a, uh, uh, a form to put their opinion out. Like some people might not like what we do. Uh, certainly you That's, can choose to tune yeah, out. Yeah. But it's harder to tune out when it's, uh, it seems like a massive effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, it's it's one of the things about the world that, that, that like weirds me out, like that we're, we are uh, sort of almost as a species more prone to destruction than creation. Yeah. But it's like both are in our nature. 
And so building things seems more logical to me than tearing them down. Right. So if you don't like something, try to build a bridge to it to find what you don't like and find the things that you do like. That you do like, than, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, my, a, a really good vial. Vile. My buddy Vile, man. He, yep. uh, woo, yep. he, um, he listens to this podcast all the time, like religiously. It's called uh, Your Favorite Band Sucks. And these two guys <laughs> tear yeah, apart yeah, yeah, yeah. every band. That, and I'm like, but why do you want to listen to about how bad you think like wouldn't you rather listen to like yeah a show about how good your favorite band is like, right right am i getting that across like why are we tearing things down when we could be building them up and why are we not instead of silencing comedians and things for Pope right and right tender why are we silencing people who are just tearing things down for the sake of tearing them down without 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 any reason or we touched on this in the in our toxic fandom you know episode and and uh you know the whole gatekeeping thing and i i'd said before that you know i i think for the most part for the you know ordinary you know rank and file rational human being the aspect of gatekeeping comes from a good place it comes from that that sense of like we want to covet this thing that we love and we we treat it very tenderly like it's our own like it's our baby right and right. i think people just become possessive of that and to some degree Certainly. like uh my friend jason who'd been on the show before said the same thing like once you put something out into the world it kind of does become th- there's a certain amount of ownership that uh, the fans you know uh, assume on that right I think it's all about sort of emotional intelligence and being able to separate yourself from what's your intellectual property yeah, and yeah, what's yeah. something that you just, you love, but, and what we do is, and, and, and all three of us have done it is we've integrated someone else's sort of intellectual property into the very fiber of our being. Yes. So that when like I can actually let sort of star Wars and Marvel comics and hip hop and stuff right, almost define right. me yep. or, or try to find myself within those things. And I think that's what human beings do. But when you lose, when you lose perspective, like, uh, it's, yeah, I think I, it's, it's a very slippery slope right. uh, to right. own someone else's intellectual property and yep. then, and then not be able to disconnect yourself when the time comes. Yeah, that's, I don't think I could have phrased that any better. Yeah. Don't get it. lost in it to the point that there is no you and there is only it. Right. Right. So we got a great, right, got right. a great so, comment here from one of our, uh, Facebook, uh, followers right now that says, looking forward to part two and man, I want a bizarre love triangle between man at arms, uh, the sorceress and question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> it's so, going to be cer- certainly. So you know what, that there is some credence to that. Um, certainly going back to the, uh, the filmation series, it was, uh, strongly, strongly suggested that. Not only is Duncan uh, Tila's adoptive father, but he may actually be her actual father. That uh, that she uh, she being the sorceress and Duncan actually did have a romantic uh, relationship. Fast forward to the Mike Young series, to the 2002 series, and that there was a slight retconning there that Fisto is actually Tila's father, but he's Duncan's brother. Yeah, Fisto is Duncan's brother. So that may in fact. Uh, that may in fact happen. And, and of course, Fisto does feature in the trailer. He shows up a couple of times in the trailer and we're going to get to the trailer here shortly. Cause we're going to, we're going to watch it together. We're not going to show it. Cause we don't need another, <laughs> we don't need another copyright strike <laughs> on our channel. 
<laughs> we're trying. We're really trying. But I just want to close it off here before we get to that. And I want to go back to the, um, the vitriol and the fan outrage. And, and I just want to contrast that up. Now I started putting the episode together earlier this week. So this is a couple days old, but I just want to focus in here for a second. Here is the announcement from, from the man himself, from our showrunner, Kevin Smith. He's talking about, uh, you know, here, I'm going to share the trailer with you. And, uh, as you know, if everything goes well, part one did really well. If part two goes really well, there may be a season two, but I want to bring your attention down here to the reactions section here. We've got 3.4 thousand reactions and, uh, let's flip over here. Cause I got a, I got a better breakdown of that here of those 3,400 reactions. Over 3,000 of them are uh, likes and hearts. And we 2,000. Uh, sorry, right. to, uh, 2,300 and 943. So if you put those two together. Yeah, there's some really positive response. Yeah, like this is not indicative of the vitriol no, no. and the fan outrage that came out of part one. No. If anything, so, it's there's, there's, an, there's another statistic to look at too. Yeah. And I don't have the statistics, but the other statistic would would be to see how fast those negative YouTube videos get hits initially. Oh yeah. 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 Why people are doing that because it's a trend. And when it, when it starts to snowball, you're going to get thousands of hits on your account, regardless of what you're saying. initially. yeah. 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 So if you jump on that negative bandwagon, bandwagon, already right. And that's exactly what's happening. I don't even think that half these people are, are genuine. They're just right. Right they're chasing this dopamine like thing, you know, like rather yeah. than putting out content, they're putting out content that gets them the, the reward, not content that is like rewarding, filling their artistic. That's a great word right, for it too. Yeah. Andy, yes, sir. And that's, man, I'm weird. Today. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about this before. We've made jokes about uh, the clickbaity uh, lines, you know, to, to try and get those views, to try and get our reach right. a, a little broader, but I don't think right. we've ever, I don't think we've ever produced any content that was intentionally set up to be yeah. clickbait. No, we're not you just know, throwing out negative to, to say. You. No, I, really I mean, like uh, face value. Uh, me too. I think it's, it's part of that, you know, being a, being a hobbyist as opposed to being, you know, somebody who does this, you know, for an income, yeah. you know, that it has to play I, into it. <laughs> I have a sample on my EP that, that I released last year and it's Dave Chappelle saying, I hope this doesn't make me famous because <laughs> the thing about famous people is you don't know if people really like you for you. So I know every so single true, person yeah. that watches our show likes the show and not because yeah, 15 yeah. other thousand people like the show that they're going to check it out, which is a nice place to snowball to. But I know at this yeah. point right now, after a year of shows, we're genuine as you can get. I think so. I think we're, we're right where, we're supposed to be in the universe as far as, as our little show goes. And we'll just keep chugging out content that, that appeals to us because certainly if it appeals to us, there's going to yeah. be other people out there that are going to, that are going right. to drive on it as and well. Heard, so, and that's what I've heard it, it said in this age of sort of technology and the, and the, sh- the short distance between people. Yeah. Every single human being has a fan base now. I think so to some degree. I think that's a hundred percent true. If you're just joining us now, uh, first of all, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you along today. We're talking about, uh, masters of the revel, uh, masters of the revelation. Wow. Don't stare at your notes, Wes <laughs> <laughs> masters of the universe revelation part two, part two, everybody that's coming up here in, uh, 
just going to be quote, short couple weeks. Yeah. Monday, Monday, November 22nd, only on Netflix or wherever you pirate your entertainment from. Not that I endorse piracy of any kind, but, uh, it's coming November 22nd. We're talking about, uh, the, uh, the season two trailer here. We're going to take a quick look at that. And for those of you who are following along, if you want to queue up the masters of the universe revelation part two trailer in your own browser and watch it with us, you're more than welcome to, as we're going to play it uh, quietly here in another window. And we're going to react to that. And then once the trailer is over, we're going to come back and we're going to kind of talk about what we, uh, what we saw here. So takeaways and notices. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think we've covered sort of the, uh, the fan outrage part. I'm just going to close that section off by saying this, this trailer came out and I had like a huge, huge emotional reaction. And the first thing I did when it was over, other than tell my wife, you have to see this is I went on to uh, a small master, a Canadian masters universe group that I belong to. And uh, somebody had already posted the trailer there. And I, and I said in the comment section, I said, I see this trailer as a giant F you to all the part one haters. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it'll be curious to see in the coming days, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks when the show drops, if the same fan outrage is there or if anybody is going to flip on this. Cause I kind of think, man, you wanted a show about He-Man and I know that the marketing for part one was He-Man heavy and, and so is this one, but I really think that part two is going to deliver. Yeah. For a couple of different reasons. So why don't we take a look at the trailer right now? We'll react to it here in real time, just so uh, we can keep the algorithm from uh, giving us trouble. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all right, so here we go. We've got uh, Cosmos. We've got a shot here of Eternia. Some crazy cosmic energy going on here, and we've got a big, got a big pullback here to the galaxy. Skelegod here with the uh, Sword of Power. Cool reflection in the in the blade there. Talking about some dynamic sort of uh, grand design to the universe here, but then he says there's only power. That's cool. Hero shot at Grayskull. Oh, Man at Arms facing off again. Oh, a new sorceress. Evil Lynn is the sorceress with a bat cowl. Duncan's in trouble. Looks like he's a prisoner of some kind. Teela's tapping into her powers here. Oh, and look at that. The big reveal Adam is back. So he was just nearly dead. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. King Randor here is uh, looks like he's leading the charge there. Oh, we got Shadow Beast come back. Now that's something cool from the original series. Mm-hmm. Uh, now look at that. Skeletor apparently is not uh, too worried about his own minions as he just went through a bunch of them. Uh, okay, so look at this. I don't get this, and I think this is super exciting. Is Adam here is is going to turn into he-man without the power sword well this could harken back to part one right but then we get look at this we get this like savage barbarian he-man and like he's the size of the hulk he's massive yeah 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 so there's teela now like by that point i assume that she's already the sorceress because she's just called out to the citizens of attorney to show up and fight in this big fight yeah and I mean, we get the big battle shot here, uh, big battleground, kind of Lord of the Rings style, epic battle. And it looks like you've got like farmers and stuff in there. We get a shot of Zora there, the, the Falcon, uh, which we know is the sorceress in her alternate form that allows her to leave Grayskull. There are 
Now we got uh, He-Man's about to lead a charge against a bunch of Shadow Beasts, and he's telling the farmers to get behind him. We got Andrinids. Not the Hulk, He-Man. No, it's regular He-Man. So we know he's going to get the sword back. Classic Wind Raider. Uh, that's a Talon fighter. Oh, sorry. Talon fighter. Yeah, yeah. You're right. My brain. So this this shot here, the four attorney He-Man on the back of Battle Cat. You can't tell me that that's not going to be everybody's screensavers coming up here. Yo. Okay, so there's a big big moment there. We got Scareglow has come back from wherever he was banished to, and that means that Orko is back as well. Wow. So for a, a, a trailer that is, uh, what, a little less than, uh, good Lord, it's under three minutes, um, yep. there's a Over lot. Minutes, there's a lot to unpack there. And uh, that is exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> Uh, oh, I hate doing stuff that's like kind of canned like that, but it's the only way I think we could have gotten away with doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to go through the trailer. Uh, I think I broke it down into what 50, oh, we're well over 50 images because yeah. there's so much in there. And I've, uh, in our last, when we did the fandom episode last week, uh, some of the trailer shots, I did not, I, I put them up in the order that I thought they were in that made more sense for the, the way that we deliver our show. This one, if you watch it enough times, and I mean, films and TV are, are notorious for doing this, uh, putting things out of order. So what I've done is um, I've sort of uh, arranged the photographs in the order that I think they are happening chronologically. I could be wrong. Yeah, you could be. I could be way off base here, but I mean, we've only got three minutes of potentially three minutes of oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hang on here, we got we got a comment here from uh, Eric. Thoughts on the other He-Man series, the Super CG one? After the trailer breakdown, of course. I know Andy, uh, you've yeah, got I, some thoughts on that one. You've seen the whole thing. Now yeah. I've seen the first five episodes. I'm not done yet, so I really can't comment on the series as a whole. But uh, initial thought: what I've seen so far, I like. Uh, this show was not made for me, no. Um, but I can see how kids would love it. And, uh, there's a part of me that, that is thoroughly enjoying it. So we will talk about that when we get to the end of the trailer breakdown. Mm. All right, let's move back over here. So, um, let's talk about castle Grayskull for a second. There's our, uh, there's our Grayskull there. And, the, and that to me looks just like the image that we got for the part one. Like if you look at the big title card that came out back for part one, that looks to me like they've just pulled that from, uh, from that, that like it might be their stock animation for this. It could be, maybe it's their nod to reusing some parts just like filmation. Well, isn't that a big thing? Uh, that's something that just, uh, is masters of the universe centric is this yeah. like reuse. And I mean, in the toy world, it's happens all the time, right? Parts reuse. So no, uh, no surprise there. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the toy world, big difference this time around is when last we saw Skeletor, Prince Adam was dead. Uh, Skeletor God, as he is now referred to, now that he has the uh, the power sword, had uh, ran the uh, the the pointy end of the havoc staff through Adam's chest, and we think that all is lost as Adam lay there dead. So, and I think that was one of the criticisms of part one is because the toy technically spoiled that moment uh well here's the thing right so this is the other big criticism uh, not that i want to go back to the criticisms of part one but like not only did they kill adam once they killed him 
twice, <laughs> two times yeah. in the course of five episodes. And the other thing that they did when they released it was yeah. that they put the the little sort of uh, short, the interview with Mark Hamill, right, as a teaser. And I thought, uh, I didn't realize that it was like literally they're going to discuss what just happened at the end of the oh, last episode. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So Skelegod was revealed to me before I even watched one episode because I was interested in the Mark Hamill interview. You know, so they actually, they tanked that. For for us as toy collectors, you think that we would be used to this by now because Lego has been spoiling the MCU for <laughs> over a decade, right? So, right. Um, mm-hmm this is no different. We had the reveal of the first wave of action figures before we had any animation to look at. Yeah. And, uh, one of the, the first wave figures was the, uh, Skella God figure, of course, made, <laughs> made by Mattel. Right. And as soon as we saw that, it's like, wait, wait, this is some kind of crazy Skeletor. And why does he have the power sword? You know? So, I mean, that was a major <laughs> plot beat, uh, yeah. for the whole yeah. thing. Right. I don't know about the rest of you, but that was one of the first ones I saw in Canada. Yeah. I mean, like, I uh, still haven't seen a He-Man yet. I've seen He-Man once. I've seen Moss Man once. Yeah. And I, ha- I think I've seen Evil Lynn once. I haven't seen any of the other figures yet. She's up on Toys R Us right now. Is she? I've only seen the retro stuff. There's a new uh, retro He-Man that's just come out. Uh, the, well, the exclusivity with Walmart on that line is up now. So they're going wide release. And part of that wide release is the He-Man is going back to shelves, but he's going out with a retro head that mm. looks much more like the vintage toy. So if you didn't, if you didn't like, if you like the origins line and you didn't like the, uh, the weird, they tried to give him a, a cartoon ish head. Uh, if you didn't dig on that, then maybe the second release He-Man is for you. Mm. <laughs> All right. So Skeletor is, uh, now residing at uh, castle Grayskull, and uh, we get this you know him looking at the sword here i i pulled this out because i just love i love this reflection here in the blade of of him sort of ruminating on there is only power well at this point he's won yeah no absolutely he has right i mean he, he went on uh in the opening line about this uh the what i would call the illusion of a cosmic grand design but he learns that the real secret of, of, uh, the power of Grayskull is that there is only power. And that brings into question, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but given what we saw later on in the trailer with Adam, uh, you know, there's, there's the line of the sword, the sword was just the conduit, but the spark was always me. That, that fundamentally changes everything we know about the power of Grayskull and how it works. Does it though? On some level it does. Because he's gone to the afterlife. He's conversed now with all the previous. The He-Men of of the the past. Yeah. 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 And in bringing them into continuity, that does mean the spark passes, right? true i just maybe it's me and i i'm just so linear thought process was it's the sword you know i'm having a little maybe it's just me not able to disconnect my brain from without the sword there is no he-man i mean it's the only reason that skeletor it's the only visual reason that we have why skeletor was able to access the power tap into it yeah 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 
because now, now it's like a, it's like a double edged sword. Like you can, you can tap into the power of Grayskull with or without a sword. So does that mean that the power of Grayskull is, is sensitive to the, the, the wielders of it? Maybe. Like, is it, I don't want to use the, the, what's the word? Is the power of Grayskull more akin to the force? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, where there's a, a, a semi-sentience about it. So Adam has the Metichlorians. <laughs> Adam, Adam has the uh, Eternichlorians. There you go. <laughs> is that what we're going to call them now? Mm. The power of Grayskull is now there referred to go. as the Eternichlorians. <laughs> Eternichlorians. It there could be like, uh, <clears throat> remember, the old Captain Britain from Marvel Comics had to carry the sort of weird mace. Oh, yeah, he yeah, yeah. Sigil. He couldn't yeah. use his power without the sigil until he learned that the power was actually never tied to the sigil. Is this it was always within him? Is this like a the, the same trope from Thor Ragnarok? What are you, Thor, god of hammers? Well, even back right. in the comics, right? Like when he was the Donald Blake thing yeah. in the original Infinity Gauntlet with the, his cane. Yeah, he had to be holding it to wield the power of Thor. Right. And there's one scene right. where he drops, right. like the hammer gets away from him, and he turns back into Donald. He Blake. reverts back into. Oh, okay, but, okay. It changes over time, right? That certainly is not the case in this. I'm definitely, I am super, super curious to know if there's going to be an, like some exposition behind that, not certainly in the moment, but like around that other than like, is there going to be more than just that line? The spark was always me. I mean, I can accept that, but I, you know how I am. I just give me more, (laughs) give me more. Well, maybe, maybe it's technically given away in that moment because he turns into a savage He-Man. He does turn into a savage He-Man. That's not exactly a refined, you know, warrior looking thing. It's just, no, no, untapped power. This is perhaps this is the first time that anybody's ever wielded it without the sword because he's the first one to ever come back from Preternian. That is also true. There's something special about that. Eric says that uh, the sword is the key and the wielder is the lock. Hmm. I guess so. Sure. Although, uh, you know, again, the whole Skeletor being the lock thing, I don't know. It's, uh, it's so meta. I just don't, I don't fully grasp it, but I am looking forward to it. That's for sure. And the loincloth is the keychain. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, Skeletor, along with the new sorceress, uh, Evil Lynn, in her new bat cowl, which, by the way, is, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has got to be one of the most gorgeous animation models uh, going in the entire show. I really dig this version of the character. And, like, really kudos to them for not just taking the easy route and taking her into, like, a raven or a right. crow. Which, you know, back in the 80s, that's what they would do. They would just recycle the figure. Oh, exactly. Paint, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. With the, with the sorceress being Zor. Yeah. I mean, they had... Painted black. Exactly. So the toy right. the toy line actually did that. The toy line, there Multiple was times. there was an evil bird, and it was purple and red, and its name was Screech. Yes. Right, so... But I'm thinking, like, just take a sorceress action figure. Oh, my God, yeah, and just do a repaint on it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, And she's now assembled the evil warriors. And there's a line from her that she says that the uh, buffoonery of the past will no longer be tolerated as she's assembled the evil warriors. There's uh, some familiar faces in there. Of course, in the, in the front row, we've got uh, uh, Spike or Clawful and beast man. 
And then in the back row, uh, there's a couple faces there that you might not be familiar with, which is kind of cool. You got web store sort of in the foreground there. Web store was the, uh, uh, spider like character. Mm-hmm. Um, the action figure actually came with a, a grappling hook and a, and a sort of a, a pulley system backpack that you could have him climb up it. It's yeah. kind of cool. I really like the 2000 version of him too, though. Where they oh, went, I do they too. leaned heavy into yeah, the spider oh, yeah, yeah. aspect with the extra arms and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind of like the Iron Spider. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. The other thing we got going here, and I'm going to draw your attention. First of all, we're going to go right to the back, and you're going to see the little diminutive character there. He's wearing like a purple sort of tabard. He's got a long sort of a, a headpiece, and his face is mostly covered. So I did some poking around, and so this this is kind of cool because we're told that this is a, uh, canoni- canonizing of the character of pig boy from the 1987 live action film with Dolph Lundgren. So if you're not familiar with pig boy or the 87 film, that's pig boy there. He's, uh, holding the, the havoc staff. He's passing it off to uh, Frank Langella's Skeletor there. What's really, really cool about this character, at least the live action character is, um, this is a character that was, uh, <laughs> Mattel ran a contest back in what, 1986. And it was to win a walk-on role, uh, in the, the live action film. And so this, uh, eight-year-old kid, Richard Sponder from Chicago won the contest, uh, from Mattel to get a walk-on role on the film. And so there's Richard on the film set, hanging out, uh, beside his own director's chair, there's a, you can look this up guys. There's a, there's a, there's an interview with him out there that talks about his uh, memories from this and, and he had a super, super cool experience because no doubt he was on the, on set for like nine days and they, they didn't really have a role for him. They didn't know how to fit him in. And so when you think, when you think walk on role, you think like dude crossing the street, yeah. kid running away. No, no. They finally came up with this role where he was going to be part of Skeletor's entourage. And so he actually gets a film credit as that character in, in the film. But, um, he got like, um, in the interview I read, he got something like, uh, Mattel had actually contacted him and said, you know, what wanted to know, which action figures did he already own? And Mattel coughed up everything else that he didn't already own, including the 87 live action figures before they were, went to a uh, street. So that's cool. A kid cool. in the eighties, that would just. There's no topping that. No, absolutely not. So that, that is, um, that's your goat or not goat. You got, that's your pig boy, your 1987, uh, movie connection. So the show has already touched on the 87 movie back in part one. Uh, the, the flying, uh, I call them the flying manhole covers. Those are sort of a, a nod back to the, mm. the 87 movie. Now the other character in the back row is this guy with the uh, ram horns. And, uh, yeah, his name is, believe it or not. Goat man, <laughs> goat man. Um, so up until now, goat man has only ever had one other official appearance in any masters of the universe media. And that was back in, um, the 1985, remember the little golden books, little Those kids books. Awesome. So he showed up in a little golden book. This one, uh, the secret of the dragon egg. And, uh, there he is there. So here's a figure, uh, sorry, a character that's never had 
what's cool about master's universe, right. Is, is a lot of the, a lot of the experiences that kids had with master's universe is discovering those, uh, characters in toy form before, before you ever, before saw, you ever saw them on TV. And so here's a guy that true to form has never had an actual, well, he has had an action figure, but it didn't come until masters of the universe classics. Uh, not until what? 2014. And, uh, in 2014, they finally did, uh, an action figure, uh, version of goat man. Nice. So now goat man or, uh, clacky as his, uh, his real name is finally got a name is going to be in the series. And what's cool about his, uh, this character and his species is according to the lore established in classics is that, uh, his species is one of the few intelligent species that are subjective to the hypnosis of the beast men. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if any of that happens over the course of our, of our new series. Hmm. Right. So, um, when we last saw our heroes, we were in the main chamber, uh, uh at the bottom of castle Grayskull, And uh, that's quite literally where the series ends. It's pretty bleak. Um, so I presume that the next series of slides that we're going to take a look at are going to sort of, uh, detail the, escape. I mean, cause they've got to get out. I mean, they've got to get Adam's body out of the castle. Somehow we get a moment here between Duncan and Tila, um, where it looks like they're, they're more making more amends than they had by the end of, uh, part one. Cause I know when she left, uh, the Eternals palace, she was pretty pissed. And who can blame her? You know, what, what did she say? She's like, uh, the people who are closest to me, you've lied to me my entire life. And then she's like, I'm done with you, all of you. And then, and then leaves. But I think what's going on here, and I could be wrong is, uh, Duncan being who Duncan is knows that, you know, they're not going to make it out of castle Grayskull unless somebody causes a distraction. So this could be the, okay, I love you. Now get the hell out of here. I think that's exactly what it is because the dialogue that is played over the trailer during this scene is thank you for being my daughter, but now you have to be something more. I think that's what it is. There's a, oh, where is it? Yeah. Thank you for being my daughter. Now you need to be something greater. That's what he says. And uh, yeah, he puts himself between, I, I presume between Tila, Andra and Adam's body. Uh, puts himself between them and uh, Skeletor. And, uh, you know, there's a typical Duncan shot. But it, do- the battle. it just, it doesn't go very good. <laughs> it's not going to go well for him because uh, this this part of the trailer, uh, he Skeletor actually just like crumbles the sword under his grip. Yep. And then we get this uh, sequence here. Now, you know, uh, he's in a cell. And, uh, here comes evil Lynn, who's going to torment him to some degree for, uh, for whatever's happened there. And, and do you think this could be a throwback to the original Grayskull playset with that little tentacle coming the tentacle. out of the uh, well, bottom? Is it Grayskull? I guess it would it be. Would yeah. Be. There's yeah, the yeah. little grate at the bottom. It's a sticker for the original, but it, uh, it is. Uh, did you see that for the origins castle Grayskull, there's a set that they've just released that they've, they've molded that. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a three dimensional. Along with the spirit of gray skull. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The robot suit. Yes. <laughs> but they've also named it. What are they calling it? Uh, I might be getting this wrong. Orlax maybe. The suit? 
No, the tentacle. Oh, the tentacle. Oh, okay. And in part one, the yeah, weird yeah. tentacle beast, did they not also call that? Maybe. I don't remember. I mean, the vintage castle, I mean, like you say, it was just a sticker that you yeah. stuck on the ground and that was sort of the end of it. That I'm not really sure if anybody out there knows, uh, knows what we're talking about here and, uh, has the answer to that. Love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had this big, talking about revelations, I had this big revelation the other day when I went, went up to my wife and I said, it's really weird when you acknowledge and accept that you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Completely unrelated to what we're talking about today, but this, you know, same idea, right? The Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh. Everybody go Google the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So like I said, I've, I kind of put these in the order that I think they happen. And I just want to talk about this for a second, because I think, uh, Mark Hamill and Kevin Smith basically went out and said, I know that the trailer shows you think you're, you're seeing a lot, but, uh, Kevin Smith said that, uh, really he not. says, I, I promise that this is only just a very thin sliver of what's to come for, for part two. So I kind of get the feeling that what we're seeing here early on the stuff in the castle is probably early on in the series, if not the very first episode. Yeah. And then I think later on when we get to the big climactic battle is probably, I kind of feel like that's probably the finale or much later on in the episode, but there's a lot of things to get through before we get there where uh, now Duncan's been taken prisoner. Tila's got to go and get Adam's body out, or maybe it's Andra who goes to take Adam's body away because Tila has this moment where there's a line from her is the only way we can stop this sorceress is with another sorceress. And so I think that this may be while man at arms is fighting Skella God. I think this is Tila skulking around. I think she's still in Grayskull at this point. And, uh, if you remember part one, there was that pool mm. at the bottom pool of water. Yeah. Did we see that? Because look here, she ends up diving into the water and we can see the, uh, whatever that energy is, uh, goes into her, uh, her head really right through her forehead. And then we see this with the, whatever that sigil is on the, on her forehead lights up. And it's the same sigil that we see, uh, at another point in the trailer when she attempts to revive, uh, Prince Adam. But if that's the case, we had to get here before we could get to um, Prince Adam. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we've lost Hank. I think he dropped out. Uh-oh. All right. Well, the link is there and he can jump back in sort of uh, on his own when he's ready. Oh, here we go. Kim says the Octa Beast was a creature in the dungeon of Snake Mountain. And that's what I had wondered as well. I wondered if maybe that was the case. Hmm. Welcome back, sir. Not sure what happened, how you got booted. I don't know why you got booted out of there. I don't know. It, uh, my window was still open. It just closed on my phone. I opened it up and there I was again. I don't. So bizarre. You let go of the sword, didn't you? (laughs) You did. I probably, uh, the power was not within me. You tried to put the two halves of the power sword together backwards. Yep. (laughs) Who knows? Octobeast was a creature in the dungeon of Snake Mountain. That totally makes sense. And I had wondered, was it Grayskull or Snake Mountain? Because I know Snake Mountain had some other yeah. 
stickers and like a little grate and a bunch of stuff trying to get out of it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for answering that. Um, but we were just talking about, uh, Tila and how, uh, in order for Tila to get to the point where she can revive Adam, she has to tap into that power, whatever that power is. And of course, She's this is, level up. this is, yeah. And here it is. We've got to get to that point where Tila embraces her, her, oh, another destiny. Star Wars. Yeah. Her destiny and becomes the, the new, she's, the new sorcerer. Yeah. The magic. Exactly. There's no other way to say that. Right. She's the whole first season. She's rejecting her birthright essentially. Absolutely. But she's again, turned her back on the magic of Eternia because she's, you know, she's jaded. And I know that the, um, that, you know, part one made a joke about that where Duncan was ready to, to like dish and give her the full, you know, the full disclosure. And then she's like, nah, and it's like, it's played for a laugh. Like not right now. And you're like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Should have just said it. So possibly there will be more to that conversation than just, you know, for being my daughter. Well, okay. And that's exactly what I was going to say. That takes us back to, uh, to here where like, there's gotta be more to that conversation because what reason would she have to go off? and uh, try to tap that power, if not the revelation that the sorceress is her mother. Well, she's received a hint of it when they went into uh, Scareglow's realm in part yes. one, but she still there's that, wouldn't understand the, it there's yet, right? the uh, Yeah, because she ought, she already had a moment in part one where that, that uh, three-line uh, three, um, sigil had already lit up, and she had done something. I don't remember what exactly she did. Somebody said, who are you? It might've even been skeleton. I think it was Scareglow. Yeah. Yeah. Scareglow. He was trying to, you know, get the fear out of her. And he's like, wait, wait, who are you? When they were in Subternia. Yeah. Right. Right. Just before they, before they lose Orko. Oh yeah. 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 Before they hop through the the gate to preternia. Yeah. All right. So as we are down there and and I'm going to go back to this again, I've, these are so not in the order that they appear in the trailer, but the water thing was a big clue here because there's a moment where we see Zor blasting out of water. So, I mean, I don't want to say that that's Tila, but come on, who else can that be? Maybe the sorceress is reborn. Yeah. In the form of her daughter. (laughs) Or it could be the ghost saying here, take the power. Entirely possible. I don't think that we're going to see a restoration of, of the original sorceress or, or, or Tila Na, I think as she's referred to in the original. Then we get a second shot of, uh, of Zor here. Nice close up of the, the head and the beak. And then we get this. It's so fast. And I mean, I even put, uh, I put the playback speed on, uh, on the trailer right down to like quarter speed. And I could not get anything better than what we're seeing here. But uh, I suspect very Phoenix like that. Well, exactly like yeah. the way that they limbed, uh, uh, Jean gray. I feel that this is a very similar, very similar thing where I think at the center of that, if it's not Zor, the bird, it's, it's Tila, the sorceress. And I'm not in, this is where I'm kind of off. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure if this is uh, in sequence with the other two images, it may actually be a little bit later on, uh, and I'm going to explain that when we get down to it, but then the trailer moves, uh, moves away from the castle and we get a, we get a shot here of, uh, there's Tila and Andra and Cringer. And I think that this is back at the Eternos palace, uh, judging by the gold, mm-hmm. uh, the gold railing. And I think this is her, you know, accepting 
you know, that, that, uh, this is actually the part of the trailer where the line of, you know, we need another sorceress to stop a sorceress. That's actually where this image comes from. So like I said, it's way, it's way out of place, but, um, she finally, I think is admitting to herself as much as she's admitting to Andra and Andra is an interesting character in this because it, it makes sense for her to, to have that conversation because Andra, uh, if you're paying attention to part one, Andra is, is us, the viewer. That's our, she's our gateway into the world. Yeah. So it just makes sense that she would confess that to, to Andra. And then we get the resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you can see in behind them there, see the gold trimming on the, on the dome there. And that's mm-hmm. why I say that I think the other image is at the Eternals uh, palace. Sorry. What did I say? I missed one. There we go. She's tapping into her power now and, uh, yeah, she's going to try and bring back Adam. So we see the big, uh, wound in Adam's chest starts to close. And that brings me to, uh, to question sort of the, the ending of part one in the sense that are they going to do the, uh, he wasn't, you know, the, the miracle max, he's not dead. He's mostly dead. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) We're going to pull a miracle max and say that Adam didn't die. He was just on death's door. But if we hadn't have got to him any sooner, he would have been gonzo. Right. Yeah. Cause I don't think that the sorceress was ever powerful enough to resurrect. I don't think we ever saw a case of a resurrection in the original series or no. anything even remotely close to that. No, nobody really died in the original series. Uh, no, not really. No. If you guys can remember anybody dying of violence in the original series, let me know because I do not remember. All right. So then the D and D of GI Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Adam wakes up quite suddenly. uh, And then we jump ahead. Now these two are in order because uh, we see Adam come back. And then the next thing is we've got this round table, uh, round table meeting in the Eternos palace with uh, the Royal family. We've got uh, King Randor, Queen Marlena, and then Adam around the war table with, uh, Tila still off. Yeah. Andra, Cringer, uh, just off in the periphery and Tila hiding out in the corner there. So, so maybe King Randor has come around now that his son is alive again. Well, he, when we, uh, when he banished Duncan, he was not, I mean, this, this version of Randor is not the buffoon King no. from the filmation series. And he's not quite the warrior king from the 2002 series either. He's certainly, uh, he's definitely more serious, mm-hmm. but, um, we got that reveal in part one that he had no idea that, uh, Adam was he man until Marlena basically said, no, we just lost our son. And, and then that's when he kind of got triggered and. The, my curiosity around this one is, is there, a, is there some resolution between, uh, Duncan and the King. I would say at this point, no. Well, I mean, at this point, I just presume that Duncan is still a, a prisoner. Locked up. Yeah. Is there going to be, so here's, here's one for you guys. Do you think that Duncan is going to survive this part of the, the series? I think so. There's, I didn't screen cap it, but there's a shot of Andra later on and she's wearing Duncan's arm cannon. Hmm. Do you think that because Tila is going to become the new sorceress of Grayskull, that Andra may in fact become the new uh, man at arms or woman at arms? 
maybe because that role has to be filled by somebody yeah i was thinking that because it's one of the best ways to sort of up the stakes yeah and um to to take a legacy character but he's a sort of a natural i mean we already took the sorceress right but to take a legacy character yeah uh he's like a natural selection guy like he like he's old he's about to pass on the mantle anyway and retire kind of thing so, right uh again gravitas take his life and up the stakes and it's a it's a great way to do it uh, i'm just going to take a look at andre again here you know uh color palette wise andre is not that far off from man at arms with the gold and green mm-hmm. you know where man at arms is kind of orange and green mind you she right. is a, a, an eternos uh palace guard per se so it's no surprise that she would obviously be wearing green as they all kind of wear green, but it does seem like a natural fit. If you're going to, if you're going to pass the mantle, um, and sort of where the, where the cards are going to fall, I do think that she's a, a natural fit to, to take up that, that mantle, right. I guess. Yeah. And even it, it may be, uh, like if Duncan dies, it may be Tila's mantle to pass. Right. Because she was about to be named. Uh, in the first episode, she was going to be so, named Man at Arms. Well, she was and, named. You know, her, yeah, yeah. Takes she off. Choose, she she has used to become the new sorcerer, and it's like, well, I, I'm going to need a Man at Arms then, and then so her, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. her dear friend, and and you know who's been proven, and that, like you say, that makes the viewer a Man at Arms, which is a very neat. Oh, that's an interesting perspective to be in. in yeah, yeah, yeah. So Adam says, uh, in, uh, in the round table, he's like, we're all going to have to fight or we're, yeah, we're going to have to fight. And, uh, clearly they don't get a chance to do that because, uh, we get this Skelegod along with his, uh, the evil warriors, it looks like they're attacking, uh, the Eternal's palace and they actually, they get in, they breached the, the defenses. Yeah. Yeah. It does look like the, mm. the throne room too, doesn't it? Yeah. So then we yeah, get this the big tapestry there. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know what that the, that smoking body on the left hand side of the shot there. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a a, a minion. Like I know later on mm. we see that there there's a bunch of shadow beasts. It definitely looks beast like. Mm. Um, right. Could be one of his uh, Skelcon minions they got a horned helmet there that it might be a skeleton but there's this sequence here where they're this is like where they're laughing at each other ha 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 and then he's like what what are we laughing about and that's when we get that other big the big aha moment where uh, adam says yeah. uh, you know the sword was always the uh the sword was just the conduit but yeah. the, the spark that was always me and it's uh, interesting that the the two yep. girls are on their knees in that scene. He's like defending the throne. Even Cringer looks like he's actually not cringing, but taking. He does. Yeah. Leap. He looks like he's ready but to pounce. The, the, the two femme warriors are, are on, on bended knee. Strange that they're, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the circumstances around that are, why they're, they're on the floor that way, but mm-hmm. we're definitely going to find out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's come in yeah. and, you know, bow to me and right. Adam says, and no. Adam won't. Right, right, right. Uh, and the other thing is that he is a prince. You know, he, he is a prince. I mean, are they, you know, bound, right. deferring to him? Right. I, I don't know. 
That's a pretty weak answer, to be honest. <laughs> All right. And after the spark, no, oh, the cool thing. And I didn't get it in the, um, in the photos. Cause you can't, you can't see it in still images, but like the, the hand gesture as he raises his hand is almost identical to still the way that the he, sword. the way that he would do it. Yeah. With the sword. And I thought, oh, that's so good. They really, really put a lot of thought and consideration into how they delivered that. And it was just so, I think that's the moment where I was like, it was like that moment in the rise of Skywalker trailer when you saw Ray flip over the, the tie aggressor and you're like, Holy crap. It was that like, Mm -hmm. Whoa. Then we get this like explosion of power and we, we get, my God, we get savage he man. And you know, Savage yeah. He-Man is not like, a new concept by no. any means, but I mean, the reveal of this character, look at the size of him. He's, he's 10 feet tall. Like <laughs> look at, you could see Tila beside him on her knee, but still she's, if she's five ten, he's 10 feet tall. Easy. He's, I, I know I joked about it when we were doing the, the, when we voiced over the, the trailer, but I mean, he quite literally is the size of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean Looks that like that Kazar almost are looking Hulk. What yeah, if yeah, yeah. Was the Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> Big raw tow, like power just bursting from him, and it's very much a Hulk-like pose too. Like no surprise. And I mean the the mm. vocalization you get in this scene where he's like, it's this just big brutal like, like he's power unbridled. What's cool about this is it is a direct callback. Uh, to the original mini comics, which if you were a fan of the original mini comics, you know that those early issues were not in any continuity with the television show at all. They, they basically, the comics were a pack in with the action figure to sell toys. And that's where we established that those uh, concepts, like the original play pattern of two halves of the sword to open the door to gray skull. And the concept of he man, he-Man was just a barbarian that wandered out of the jungle. Yeah. You know. To help people. Right. And so this is this is a direct callback to that original uh idea for He-Man that he was this, you know, barbarian. And uh he doesn't actually get uh his powers from the sword. His power comes from the harness that uh this character the, this is actually the original uh the sorceress from the mini comics who would later be retconned to become the goddess as it were but that's a whole other thing about toys right you reusing the the <laughs> yeah. the idea that Tila came with that snake armor uh you know if you took the snake armor off of her underneath she looks like Tila that you see in the cartoon but you put the snake cowl on and you put the snake staff in her hand. And then she's supposed to act as this other character, the warrior goddess. And so the, it's the warrior goddess who becomes the sorceress of Grayskull per se, that gives he man his gear. And uh, it's the battle harness that basically gives him like a, a, a force field. I think it is. Yeah. Again, it's a character that, uh, I mean, you, you could conceivably strip the armor, uh, the harness and everything off of He-Man and you could get that version of the, of the character. But, uh, once again, going back to, uh, Masters of the Universe classics, uh, what year was this? I don't remember what year it was. They did a, they did this figure and, uh, they called him, they gave him a name. They called him Ular. 
Ular. Not so, to be confused with Molar. Right. <laughs> Molar, the attorney and dentist. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to know or to see if they, I don't think they're going to give that character the name Ular in the. No. No, I mean, it's, it's Adam. <laughs> it's just a nod to, uh, to all the people that. You know. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, this is your Savage He-Man right down to the uh, rope for a, a belt on his uh, on the fur trunks. All right. So, uh, the trailer continues on, and we get into this, like, epic, epic uh, beatdown between Skelegod and, uh, and Savage He-Man. And, I mean... This, uh, they've moved outside now. Some Somewhere in the fight, they've moved outside and Skelegod is going to blast him. Um, but apparently that doesn't matter because, I mean, he just rolls through that like a freaking freight train. And uh, yeah, by the time he gets there and makes contact, it's, uh, it's a one-two punch and uh, Skeletor looks like he goes down for the count. Got him on the ropes. Cool to know though, like this whole sequence takes place at the Eternals Palace. Um, Skeletor has been to the Eternals Palace before. Yeah. So it'd be curious to know how that plays out. Like what's the, what is the prompting for Skeletor to attack the palace? Clearly, I mean, Skeletor has always been motivated by, you know, power begets power and he, he wants more of it. Well, once he's controlling Grayskull, does he just want to, you know, make his set complete? Well, here's the thing, right? Or are they going to touch on the whole Keldor thing? That would be an interesting twist if they actually do a Keldor thing. I was thinking though, at the beginning of the trailer, you have that image of like Eternia and then there's the two uh, disparate colored, there's the orange power and then the purple power kind of enveloping the planet. And and it's sort of, you know, there's a yin yang kind of vibe. Like there's a, there's a cosmic balance. And I think what happens here is we get into sort of the, the, the third part of the trailer, the climactic part is, you know, we see Skeletor wielding like a crazy amount of power. And he says a line towards the end of the the trailer where he's like, look at the sky. It's all going to end. And I think that speaks to, because as we know, going forward, that, that He-Man is going to get the sword back and he'll, he'll revert to his more refined look. And I think it becomes this case of like, like he said at the beginning of the trailer, there's no cosmic you know, there's nothing holding the, the fabric together. It's just all power. And I think it's a case of if I can't have it, nobody can. And mm. he's just going to go for broke and just destroy right. everything. That's just my thoughts on it. I, I, it could be wrong, but it seems like something that a maniacal villain would do. Yeah. Certainly not out of character. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so we move into this, uh, what I call the final battle, I guess, which I honestly think is going to be towards the end of the series, if not the final episode. Yeah. And now we do get a very different Randor. He's all uh, in his battle armor and he is uh, sounding the charge. We see uh, attorney and palace guards. It's cool. They are wielding the rifle from the castle Grayskull weapons rack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. Uh, and he's nice. back. Look at, he's backed by like farmers and citizens. The people of Eternia. Right. So we've got that, uh, mm-hmm. that overdub from, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller <clears throat> saying, you know, people of Eternia, we need your help. But it definitely does have that, you know, this is the final battle. Everybody has to turn it out. It really does. And then on, on the heels of that in the dialogue, right after that, there's a line from, uh, evil Lynn talking about chaos. 
And she's like, I, I couldn't really hear what she said, but the, the last line of that is, and we will all return to chaos. So as, as Tila, who I'm going to go out and say new sorceress has telepathically summoned all of the good guys. Did evil Lynn telepathically summon all of the bad guys? Makes sense. I kind of think that's what's going on there. You're going to have an epic final battle. You need everybody. Right. And, uh, another, mm. another callback. This is right back to filmation, which is kind of nice. Shadow beasts are back. Yeah. And those were, uh, they were in a couple of the original episodes. Um, uh, they also got an action figure in classics. Mm. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of cool. The shadow beast and Randor are about to square off, but, uh, before the, the shadow beast can like pummel him, it gets, uh, shot in the chest as we get some air support here from, uh, from the Talon fighter and, uh, in a blink and you'll miss it moment, which I really, really love this. It's queen Marlena. She just saved her husband's bacon. And I, I love this scene because it's a big callback. Uh, this is a huge callback moment to, uh, Marlena's earth origin as an astronaut. So I really, really love that. And again, uh, going back to the toy world, to those figures that we never got, uh, classics actually did uh, a version of Marlena in her astronaut form. And, uh, they went so far, they actually did a really cool thing. They gave her, uh, uh, the last name of Glenn as in John Glenn, that she would be a descendant of, Oh, neat. yeah, John Glenn. So this is Marlena Glenn, uh, in her astronaut costume, which is kind of cool. It's a, it's solid green. So it's a nice, I think the two are a nice callback to each other. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the final battle, um, there's another big reveal and that is Scareglow is back and he's out. So we're, you know, when we last saw Scareglow in the bowels of Subternia, um, Orko was holding him back so that, uh, evil Lynn, Tila and, uh, Andra and Adam could make their escape, uh, out to Preternia and, uh, by the time that that scene concludes, not only has Orko wrapped him up in some, uh, very stylized O bands there, there's a line that whatever spell he cast a banishing spell demon be gone at the end of the spell. When the mists subside, there's an explosion. So, I mean, we were left with this, like, are they dead? Did they go somewhere else? You're not really sure. But I think from the perspective of the other people in the room, I think to their way of thinking, they just saw Orko die. Yeah. Cause when they get into Preternia, all you see is like this little floating piece of fabric, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, no surprise here with the return of Scareglow, which by the way, uh, it's not going very well for Randor, uh, as Scareglow just melts the sword right out of his hand. Um, Randor gets knocked to the ground. And I mean, it looks like Scareglow is about to deliver the, the death blow with his halberd. And this little red piece of fabric launches in and basically uh, pulls the halberd out of his hand. So easy to infer from that. If Scareglow has come back, so has Orko, mm-hmm. which is cool because uh, he was really, really sick mm-hmm. uh, by the end of part one. And like he was dying. Well, magic was dying on eternity. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And then you get that line from Orko. Uh, you guys are in trouble now. And I don't think that that's, <laughs> I, I know that they put it over this image, but I don't think that's in reference to what's happening here. I think it's probably in reference to 
that He-Man is on the scene when now. he finally gets his sword back. Yeah, I, I think so. Right, right. And we know that he's going to get the sword back because we see him during the final battle, much more akin to his uh, traditional form, where uh, he's now kind of like in this scene, he's calling the 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 warriors to get to safe positions. And uh, the lady with the pitchfork behind him, she says, there are no safe positions. And he comes back with, uh, well, there's one behind me. And uh, yeah, it's super, line, super yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool little uh, uh, hero shot here. We've got uh, the avians and the Andrenids working together, which is uh, it's kind of cool because if you're a fan of the lore, um, uh, Buzz off and Stratos are the respective leaders of their, of their people, the Andrenids and the avions respectively. And, uh, they don't necessarily get along. They, as leaders of their people are trying to bridge the gap, but so, uh, the two societies, they don't, they don't work together. They don't, they don't get along. And in the 2000, it's revealed that, uh, Webstore and Skeletor are actually pitting them against each other yeah, yeah, for yeah. their resources. So it's, it's cool to see them here. Now, I don't know if this is actually supposed to be buzz off that we're looking at, but it's definitely an Andrenid. And then, uh, we do get uh, a little bit more to that shot and we see Stratos, uh, fly into, uh, into a little beard and all. Yeah. 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 So we've got this, uh, that overdub line we talked about Sarah Michelle Geller calling it to the people of Eternia for everyone to show up. And, uh, along with the Andrenids and the, uh, Avions, uncle Fisto, daddy Fisto. I don't know how he's going to play. Fisto shows up, <laughs> which is cool. Mm-hmm. Ram man is on the scene as well, uh, in his full, uh, regalia mm-hmm. and his full ramminess as he bounces off the, the wall here. Complete with springy legs. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's an interesting, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. So here's he man and battle cat leading a charge of some kind. And in this, uh, sequence, there's a dragon, uh, that's about to breathe on them, which is kind of cool because dragons Dragons were used like super, super sparingly in the original series, but this dragon here essentially is going to uh, breathe fire on them. But battle cat essentially spots the, um, spots the incoming fireball and, and stops leaps over the fireball and onto the dragon, uh, and defeats the, he man defeats the dragon. And we get this, this hero pose. Now the dragon crashes in behind them, but I mean, this is the one where I'm like, how many guys are, that's going to be their screensaver like from now on yeah. or eternity. Yeah. The, this is the big for eternia moment. Let's go back and talk about dragons though, for a second in, in, uh, in lore, because as I was saying before, the dragons were used like really, really sparingly. And they were used briefly in the 2000 as well. Yeah. But it wasn't our normal dragon friend from the filmation. Well, that's, that's my question too, is like in the, in some of the masters of the universe lore, there was a big war between dragons like centuries ago. And, uh, the fallout of that, we have a character by the name of Granamir and Granamir is the most powerful dragon on Eternia. He's like the dragon King. So my question is if the dragons are involved, where is Granamir? I mean, they're giving nods to everything else. I know. Weird, yeah, yeah. Give him one. Well, and this is the thing too, right? So if we go back to the, like, 
you know, Teela summoned all the good guys. Evelyn has summoned all the bad guys. Why did the dragons side with? I, I mean, I presume, you know, it's the same thing like people. Some people are good. Well, some people are bad. In the 2000 as well, did they not fall under the control of Beastman? That could very well be. And in fact, that makes perfect sense. Because I think he was the one, you know, doing it. And then when they freed him, they're like, you know, thank you for freeing us from. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they didn't want to blow up Castle Grayskull. I know Grandamere shows up in the Filmation show, uh, what, four, three, four times? Something four, like that. Four episodes. And he's got this like ethereal quality to him where he's aloof and like, he's almost like a, he's almost like smog esque kind of in that, in that sense where like he's into what he's <laughs> into and, and like everything else is kind of trivial and beneath him. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if it's the battle is this pitched, if it's the end of the world, which I kind of think that's the stakes we're looking at here, I cannot see. Uh, I can't see Grandamere not being in, uh, involved. Yeah, throwing in one way or the other. Well, this is Grandamere as we saw him in the uh, Filmation series. Uh, he's red here. Uh, but the original mini-comic Grandamere, who looks almost the same as the animation model, was green. Fast forward again to the, the Masters of the Universe Classics uh, toy line, and of course we did get a Grandamere figure. We got two of them, actually. We did get the green version. The green version, I think, was a was a... Uh, comic-con exclusive san diego i think but uh the red one he was a, a regular subscription add-on i think he was mm. right he was big too proper uh, proper scale yeah yeah he was to he was to scale with the the figures for sure so the in the i guess we're going to keep going here with the uh the final battle here um we finally so now he-man has gotten past the dragons uh, it looks like there's some more. I don't know if those are dragons flying around in the background. It's quite possible. Uh, we get some sky sleds up there with some uh, Eternian guards. Possibly down, chasing off smaller bat-like people. Yeah, yeah. Which would make sense because dragons wouldn't really run from sky sleds. So, I mean, now we're we're looking at our traditional He-Man, our, our classic battle harness with the power sword. And there on the other end of the of the, the battle here, there's Skeletor still in his Skelegod form. So losing the power sword it obviously does not remove the power of Grayskull from him. So, so th- he's either got to relinquish it or have it taken from him. I, I guess so. Um, at some point, though, Skeletor is going to unleash this like rage. I call it a rage blast. I don't know what it is. This is that part about uh, where I kind of get into the, if, if I can't have it, nobody can have it. So I'm just going to like unleash pure hell and havoc on everybody. Yeah. But like, look at the scale of that. There's still mm-hmm. thousands of people battling around. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of that here, I think this is the same energy ball from another angle, but those are like his own minions. <laughs> like he has no regard for, uh, you know, for the help that he's, uh, that he's enlisted. And that is totally in character though, still. It, oh, it totally is. Well, the interesting thing here is that the, to me, the, it looks like there are two distinct energy effects happening here in the background. We have this purple, uh, energy ball, which I believe is this one with the red center, but there's also a cone effect in front of that. Really similar to what was well, shooting up through Grayskull. Here's what I... Does it not look a or lot? What the sorceress appears in. Does it not? Yeah. Does it not look like the energy signature that we see, sort of uh, around 
the the Zor sequence. So it's possible they may be like coinciding. Like Rage Ball of, happens as Sorceress appears. I feel like this is her. The other thing is these Skelcons, I don't know if you can make that out. There's some like stalagmites on the ground there. Could those be teeth? Mm-hmm. The teeth of the jaw bridge? Could be. Is this is this Tila like like interposing herself between this energy ball to stop it? Quite possible. Sure. I kind of wonder if that's what's it's happening. Sort of her story, right? It, yeah, absolutely, it is. So she's definitely got to make a save yeah. at some point. I think so. I mean, she's got to have she's got to have that big reveal, whether it happens before then or it happens at that moment. But if you're gonna do it in a in a time of of crisis, all must be lost, and somebody jumps in to save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the take one for the team moment. Yeah. Uh, but of course, mm. she's gonna stop it. Of course, yeah. she will. And also, sort of harkening back to our discussion about Duncan, he's nowhere present, sort no. of, at this battle. You don't see him anywhere. So he's either still no, we like, don't still trapped or yeah. being dispatched. I wish I got right. that shot right. of of Andra with his arm cannon now, and I didn't. But that nice. now that you say nice. that, it it totally makes sense. Yeah, I want to go right back just two seconds. Fellas. Yeah, for sure. I'm just going to keep going here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, uh, Skelcons here for a second because. This is another deep dive into the lore of uh, Masters of the Universe. We saw we saw Skelcons in uh, part one. Yes. And uh, that's what they look like. Now, they're these uh, blue uh, minion guys. It's almost like they're, uh, I don't want to say horse skulls, but... Uh, Cross between a horse skull and a maybe bird. Yeah, now... Maybe Skeksis-like. Almost, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the deal is here if these are... Uh, if we're to infer that they're actually a, a species uh, of of creature, but the origins of the Skelcons were that uh, they were this like minion army uh, that that uh, Skeletor had, and they were masks. Hmm. Um, so it could be anybody. As they, long yeah, as they could. Yeah, them. they totally could be. They originally showed up in uh, one of the Ladybird children's books. Um, that's their first appearance there. We never did get an action. We did get an action figure. We got it much later on. Again, uh, Masters of the Universe Classics, which really was a line that was dedicated to producing the widest number of of Masters characters ever. Uh, and at over 300 characters, it's uh, still the uh, the longest running Motu line yet, hmm. or the, the, the biggest diversity anyway. The uh, Skelcon action figure came uh, very late in the line. He came as the uh, driver for the classics Roton, which has got to be one of the worst, <laughs> the worst vehicles in, in Motu. I hate, I hate the thing. But hey, they gave it a nod in part one. They did, yeah. With so uh, many toys, um, got a nod in part one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't um, Triclops? Uh, it was did, one of them. Yeah, he. I think he was walking on one or riding on one. Yeah. So that kind of, uh, brings us sort of to the end of the, of our trailer where we get to that point where for Eternia. Yeah. For Eternia and, uh, Skeletor kind of closes it out with that, uh, that look at the sky. It's all going to end. And then, uh, as it closes down, we get our big splash only on Netflix, November 23rd, which by the way, uh, is a Monday, hmm. which is kind of weird because Netflix, oh. Netflix was doing their uh, big Friday 
Friday releases. Yeah. Cause I know they were trying to get away so, from the conflict with Disney plus yeah, they, Wednesday they stuff. They did not want to overlap. So, so I know that was, right. a, that was a little disjointed look at, um, at the uh, part two trailer. And I know that it, it didn't flow quite the same way as the trailer, but I, like I said, I tried to uh, rearrange the images in the order that I thought that they were happening, which creates obviously some, some gaps and holes. But, uh, if I were a betting man, I would say that we're looking at stuff from like, maybe like the first episode and the last episode. I don't think there's much else in there that, uh, they, I mean, there's another thing in, in season one, some of that, there were flashbacks to yeah. the heyday of He-Man. So the, it's possible that some of that regular looking He-Man stuff could be flashbacks to the heyday. That could be as well. I, I, I kind of wonder if we're going to get any more appearances from the, uh, the, the He-Man of yore. you know, like it, he, Adam is the only one to ever leave Paternia. Like, is this big enough? Are the stakes big enough? to pull more of them out. Do we need more of them to come out? Well, at the very least you could have like your, uh, and I mean, rise of Skywalker moment where all your past ones come in and say, you know, go forth. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that is it. And they also tell them like, if you die, you may not come back. back. You die, you return to dirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, So, but he doesn't, he doesn't like they, they, he's comes back from the dead twice now. Well, and here's, you know, more sort of like, a reason to suggest that maybe he didn't die at the end of part one. Maybe he was just Skeletor has bad aim. He's just mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Skeletor missed all the vital organs. It, it's entirely possible as he went through the center of the chest cavity where your heart is. <laughs> uh, all right. There's a horseshoe in that loincloth. Uh, there definitely is. So that is our fandom power. Look, at the Masters of the Universe Revelations Part Two trailer, what do you think, guys? Are we? Uh, I'm excited for it. I am over the moon for this one. I like Part One. It the trailer there got me hyped <laughs> up, and this has done the same thing for Part Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you, Hank? I know you just you just got caught up now. I, I'm sort of like, I'm just pretending like I'm a new fan. So I'm, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not going to not watch it. I'm definitely, I don't, I'm not as invested as the two of you guys, but like, um, like I said, you guys make me excited for stuff. Oh, uh, good. Lauren's That's making good. me excited for stuff. So it's, you know, uh, and so, and I'm, I, I love to be a part of the, uh, I think I got stuff to say that's relevant, even if it's, you know, like if it's not your fan thing of being a fan of things, yep. yep. right. Like I, you know, and I'm, I'm super conscious not to, um, not to tear things down if they don't need to be torn down. Like, I mean, you know, there's critical analysis and then there's just hating something for no good reason. So, um, season one was certainly a great ride. It subverted expectations. This trailer looks amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, November 23rd, that's what I'll be doing. (laughs) As will uh, a lot of us, I think in the fan community, there's going to be a lot. I will definitely be keeping my finger on sort of the pulse of the fan reaction when that first, uh, or when the, those five episodes drop. And, uh, I'm inferring that it's, uh, I can only assume that part two is going to be another five episodes. I would I, think so. I don't think it's going to be less than that. No. Who knows? Maybe I know when more. they, when yeah, like those sort of formats, yeah. Uh, when legendary and uh, not legendary, when, uh, DreamWorks and Netflix did the Voltron thing those seasons, they kind of varied in length, somewhere like mm. six, somewhere eight. 
and they kind of went all over the place, but. Yeah. Well, same with the Netflix She-Ra, it well, bounced around episode count too. That as well. Um, so now let's, let's just, uh, change things up for a second here. I know Eric had, uh, asked us sort of, uh, if we'd talk a little bit about the, uh, the kids show, the, uh, the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Now, Andy, you were the, you were the only one who has seen the whole thing. You've got the full lowdown. You want to touch on that? Sure. Uh, if you are a fan at all of the original, give it a chance. Like it takes it in a whole new direction, but there's enough nods to what you already know that you're not lost. And like they take elements from the 2000, from the mini comics and stuff and put it in there and it feels normal. I know that, uh, up till episode five, where, uh, I think the villains have just, just inhabited snake mountain. And, uh, we're just getting the, the full reveal of, of trap jaw. But before that, I I'm looking at the green guy and I'm like, is that Kronos? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And it is like, so there, there's enough familiarity there, uh, at least for me as a fan of both the toy line, uh, the 2002 series, the filmation series, there's enough familiarity in there that I was able to sort of pick out kind of who's who in the zoo. Yeah. And it's different enough that, you know. A, a kid coming into this will not be overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that's come before it. No, I don't like, think so. This is a great starting point for a new generation of fans. The idea that, uh, you know, the original filmation series really lean into that, uh, you know, um, our friends are going to get in trouble. He man's going to show up and he's going to save everybody. But this show does it a little bit differently <laughs> where it's yeah. like we, as a group of friends share the power and we help each other at the same time. Yeah. You know, sure. The supporting characters, man at arms and Tila and all the supporting characters did their thing, but ultimately it was about he man saving the day, whatever the big, whatever the, 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 uh, antagonist of the week was, you you knew that at the end of it, man at arms, wasn't going to be saving anybody. And that's going to be the end. Right. And so, uh, that's exactly what Mm -hmm. the filmation show did. I, to my way of thinking, this new series, the, the kids show does it uh, a lot different. They're, the, the supporting characters have a far more active role in, in the action. Yeah. Yeah. You got to depend on your friends when you need help. That's right. And they do some things that are really, really different. Like, you know, the, like Cringer was originally cringy. Like yeah. he was the, the, the scaredy cat. They've done that. Uh, they've taken it a different way this time where now Cringer is actually a, uh, more of a father type role too. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's, is he not the, the leader of the tribe? Yeah. He's leader of the tiger tribe. Right. Um, plot twist. They took his claws away. Big plot twist on how that's actually done. So I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Don't spoil Cause I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So, so it, it, but it really, it connects everything in a oh, way you cool. didn't think was going to be connected. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm I mean, five episodes in. Well, you got a couple of weeks yeah. to, I, I super enjoy it. I, I almost enjoyed it better in really? some ways. Cause I'm not as invested in the whole. Yeah. I, and I, I absolutely loved the animation. Uh, I, I was a huge fan of the animation. I like, uh, for me, it's like, why are we sticking with that 80s style stuff when we can do what the clone wars has done. Right. And this, this steps into that boundary for me. And I, if I had to drag on anything about the, the Kevin Smith one, it's that the animation could be way better. And I know that it's That's trying fair. to stay true to the 80s stuff, 
but the animation could be way better. And this animation is top notch in the kids version. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so as well. The, uh, the Kevin Smith one, it shares like a, it has a, a quasi anime quality to it. It's kind of like the filmation mm. and the 80 or the 2001 blended together. And that's a perfect way of describing it. I think that actually, right. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Did, did anybody, I know you did Andy, uh, Hank, did you give any, uh, any thought towards the, uh, the Netflix Shira and the princesses of power? Did you watch that? No, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> well, that no, would be an no. interesting conversation. I was too busy to have. watching my little pony reboots. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, not I, my wheelhouse. I made an analogy to the kids, uh, the kids Motu as the, uh, with my little pony. I think they are very much akin to each other. Yeah. All right, Eric, I hope that satisfies your curiosity on our thoughts into the, uh, the kids, he man and the masters of the universe. And to everybody else, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode where we've just uh, taken a look at the uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2 trailer. I guess before we close off, let's uh, do some of our usual uh, perfunctory stuff that we like to do here. Uh, as you can see, guys, we're in a uh, uh, new, stu- new studio here. Yeah, Andy calls it the Saw Cave, and I, I'm, I'm kind of digging on that. So uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, all the way from our, I love uh, the lighting. Yeah, me too. I'm going to try and dial that in a little bit more, but, uh, I'm very happy with it. Um, so we've just, we've upgraded, uh, on our, uh, our streaming platform. So now, uh, we should look a little bit better now. And certainly our reach is, is, uh, much, much larger now as we can, uh, we can stream out to several more locations now. And we are, um, do you have, I don't even know how to, we're now on Twitch. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but we are now on Twitch. Now, how can they find us on Twitch? Right. Oh, (laughs) it's under our, our production name, isn't it? It is. Um, fans of our YouTube channel. You guys know that uh, all of our shows air on our YouTube channel. That's Sawcast productions. And I think that's the way that you set up the Twitch as well. Embedded on Facebook still? We are embedded on Facebook, but there's for it to come to Canada though. So Americans can get it. Yeah. So, Uh, um, hopefully that, that integration, how's it going, man? (laughs) Hopefully that integration will come sooner than later. Um, we've done everything. Twitch TV. We are sawcast underscore productions. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So, um, I'm going to make a play, uh, as I did in our last episode and just, uh, ask that if you like what we do. And presumably the four or five of you that are watching, you do, because you've, you've come back to join us. Please share with your like-minded friends, pass them along our YouTube channel, especially our YouTube channel, because we really need your support to get over that threshold. Uh, so, and I don't want this to sound like it's about the, the money aspect of it, but the sooner that we can monetize the channel, the sooner that we can invest into more gear uh, better equipment upgrades so that we can produce better looking Higher videos, quality product. better looking videos for you guys. Yeah. Not that I'm uh, not content to produce at the quality that we are now, because I think for the size of us, I think we're doing just fine. So I hope so. Once again, uh, thanks for joining in with us this time, uh, this week, guys, there's some other stuff coming up in the near future that I uh, think we should lean into. We covered the DC fan dome. Uh, we've got another one coming up here that I want to discuss is the uh, Disney plus day. 
Disney Plus Day is basically the fandom for Disney. It's going to be all the big the big Disney events. So uh, reveals. Marvel, Star Wars, and right. Pixar properties. And there is a lot yeah. coming. Uh, there's been so much buzz uh, in the last two weeks about what's going on over at Star Wars, especially surrounding uh, Hayden Christensen's return uh, on both the Kenobi and Ahsoka television series. Um, which, you know, right. guys is going to be lots for us to talk about and it's not going to be long again, oh, man. It, it's not going to be too long before we're back into our, uh, our beat by beat, uh, review series because, uh, book of Boba Fett is coming up, uh, fairly soon. Uh, I want to say that's, yeah. uh, coming in what November or December, December 29th. Oh, December thank you very 29th. much. Book of Boba Fett. Compliment from uh, Kim. You guys are awesome. And uh, (laughs) I feel like that, that, that is a genuine comment and I will accept that from my wife. I love you too, honey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for being, thank you for being my biggest fan. Biased at all. (laughs) Thank you for being my biggest fan. Yeah. After me. No, (laughs) that's so (laughs) self-centered. All right. But you guys know we love what we do and uh, we do it because it's fun and we hope that you guys are having as much fun with us as we are with you. So until next time, guys, uh, for Fandom Power, I'm Wes. I'm Andy. I'm Hank. From five seconds ago. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. Are we doing that again? I don't know if we are or not. Maybe. (laughs) Catch you later, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? <laughs>